You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everyone? And welcome back for another episode of the QB Factory Reboot brought to you by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. We are recording on Tuesday, March 29th to be exact. And on today's episode, we're going to touch on the quarterbacks that have been impacted the most by offseason moves. We're also going to talk about the teams that maybe suddenly have become contenders once they got a new quarterback this offseason. And we're going to continue shedding light on the pro days that have taken place since we last recorded last Tuesday. But I'm your host, Rachel Prevett, and I am joined by my host, the one and only Mark Schofield. You guys know him and love him. But before we get started, don't forget to rate, leave a and review, subscribe to our YouTube channel, follow us on Twitter, and follow us on Instagram. Mark, you're over here shivering. What's going on? Are you sure it's March 29th? It, that's what the calendar says. It feels like January 29th. It does. It, it, I, we were talking before we hit the record button. Like I was at the bus stop with the kids this morning, and they're like all bundled, and they got the hats on, and the earmuffs, and the scarves, and you're freezing outside. I was coaching baseball, and like the kids don't want to hit because you know the bat vibrates. It's not fun. I, this no. is this is not good. But despite it being frigid out, I am in a, a, a joyous mood today because. The Top Gun Maverick trailer, the second one just dropped. I saw you co-tweet that. I am overjoyed. There's a reference to Iceman in a new capacity, which is just tremendous. Um, so, of course, I have to drop a movie quote. I feel the need to need for speed. And I do think we're going to talk a little bit about speed as, as we get through this show here. But I am extremely excited. May 27th, Top Gun Maverick. Tom Cruise looks great, I will also say. I mean, yeah. he looks really good. Um, good to see for him. John Hamm's in it, which is just a nice little, nice little role for him. Um, so I'm, I'm extremely excited. I'm a very excited mood right now. We get Top Gun Maverick. I'm, I'm overjoyed by that. But I am, as you said, freezing right now. I can't feel my toes just from going outside to take out the trash. So there is that to deal with. You need like a heated blanket. I know. I want to get one of those. Do you have like one of those weighted blankets? I don't. I've always like toyed with them, but then I'm just so afraid that like my eyes will pop open in the morning. And I'll be like, I'm not getting out from under this. Like I can't. Yeah. Like, there's that fear in the back of my mind that I will just be, you know, in bed all day, which, you know, as can't do that anymore, you know? So, no, but we got things to do. Yeah, got things to do. We got, we got shows to do. So I'm going to try to thaw myself up while I listen to, uh, to, to your movie quote or your, your songwriter. <laughs> First, I love the fact that right before we got on the episode, I saw you quote tweet that Top Gun yeah. is doing their part two, their second movie or whatever. And I was going to bring that up. So I'm happy that you brought that up. And if we, if our listeners have been riding with us since, you know, the season, they'll remember that that was one of your homework assignments that yeah. you gave me. Remember, I hadn't, before we started recording QB Factory, I had never seen Top Gun. So now I'm excited because I'll be able to watch the second one and know what happened, you know? 
Yeah, and there's a lot of callbacks to the first one, so it's gonna be it's gonna be good for everybody. So I am excited for that. I chose song lyrics, and then I'm just gonna go right in and jump into what we're talking about because the song lyrics relate to my first point. Um, I chose lyrics from "Can't Tell Me Nothing" by Kanye West, and it says he says, "To whom much is given, much is tested." I'm sure everybody else has heard also the one that goes, "To whom much is given, much is required." I am applying this to Tua, Tonga Vailoa, in the Miami Dolphins. If you guys have been keeping up with what's going on, they have made a ton of off-season moves. And a lot of them definitely going to impact Tua, I think, in a positive way. But I also feel like because they are, you know, doing what they have to do in order to surround him with these weapons, it's going to require him to step up. It's a little bit of pressure for him. So it's like... they're giving you all of this and now how are you going to respond with it? You know, like just going over some of their offensive additions, of course, Tyreek Hill, which one, which was one of the biggest ones wide receiver coming from the chiefs. So that's going to be crazy uh, partnering him up with Jalen Waddle, but they also uh, brought on Teron Armstead. They brought on Trent Sherfield, Raheem Mustard, Chase Edmonds, the list goes on and on and on. So, so many talented players, now with the Miami Dolphins. So all of a sudden they just got loaded. And now I'm like, this is, I guess, can be a team to be worried about and a little bit scared for. Yeah, I think you're right. Like I scratched together by like five quarterbacks that were helped the most uh, by offseason okay. moves. And two is the guy that could help the most, right? You, you look at obviously Tyreek Hill. There's been a lot of discussion already about using him in sort of the Debo Samuel role. You know, obviously their new head coach, Mike McDaniel, was Debo's offensive coordinator last year. Like he has a good idea of how to get a player with with Tyreek or Debo's skill set involved. And, you know, I looked at in a piece I did for USA Today, like the ways that the, the Dolph, what he brings to the table. It's certainly the explosive playmaking skills downfield. Yes, we, we all know that. The ability after the catch, but it's also what he does with the football in his hands, number one. And obviously what he did on a lot of their RPO concepts, because that's the foundation of Miami's offense, or at least it was last year, right? They were one of the heavier RPO teams in the league. Now you bring in a guy in Tyreek that, you know, they did some RPO stuff with him. And you also look at our, at an Armstead, at an Edmonds, like the, the pieces that they've put around to a, have put him in a position to succeed. It put him in a position where, as Mike, Mike McDaniel said, when he was hired and he got on the phone with two of the first time on that, video that the Dolphins recorded McDaniel's job is to get the greatness out of Tua and that's what he needs to do now but you sort of teed it up there Tua has to do it because yes after the first like hour of analysis when the trade went down it was like oh this is a great move by Miami everybody sort of ca- caught their breath and they were like well now Tua has to do it like then and the, the the phrase that came along next was there's no more excuses for Tua right there's no more excuses for Tua because if he can't succeed with what they've put in place around him and what we anticipate to be a very quarterback friendly system he's out of excuses and and you know that also leads us to the scenario where as we've seen before new head coach comes in tries it with the quarterback doesn't quite work all right I'm moving on like like we're gonna go like look at Cleveland I mean that's a whole other scenario we didn't have to get into but Kevin Stefanski comes in, he's given Baker Mayfield. He's like, you know what? We're going in a different direction. And they went in a different direction. Yeah. I want to stay on tour for a little bit longer because another topic that has been 
tied to this whole conversation is the fact that, you know, when you look, when you think about Tyreek Hill, for example, I think personally, like Tyreek Hill is rare. I think he's hard to replace. Right. And you think about, you're going to automatically compare it to Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill's chemistry. You know that they were there, you know, like he was that guy. So the fact that, you know, Hill was now with the Dolphins and, what what the highest paid wide receiver in the league you know that Tyreek Hill is used to getting targets nope. consistently so he's going to want more and more so like you said that falls on Tua because he's going to be required to get the ball to Tyreek Hill and if he can't do that one Tyreek Hill is going to have a problem with that because you know it's Tyreek Hill yep. he that's what he's used to um and then I also think that he's going to be compared to some of the other younger quarterbacks in the league because he's going into his third season so now it's like all right we, we can't give you but so much time so when you think about the Josh Allens the you know Joe Burrow Lamar Jackson Patrick Mahomes this is a big year for Tua and I think everybody's going to definitely have their eye out for the Dolphins and you know what they're going to be able to do are they going to be able to make it to the playoffs this yeah. year so I mean I'm and, excited and you mentioned that third year I mean that's that's a brilliant point because that's the Bill Walsh line, right? If a quarterback doesn't figure it out by the third year, like there's nothing you can do. Like, you know, it's over. And yeah, for Tua now in that third year, because you mentioned Josh Allen, that's when he had the lead. It was a third year. And a lot of other fans of teams like the Giants are like, oh, can we get Daniel Jones to make that third year leap? No, like it didn't. It didn't come together. And so, you know, Tua's got a, a huge task ahead of him, like a, a massive task. And you also touched on that chemistry. Like, you watch Mahomes and Tyree kill and those scramble drill moments when Mahomes is buying time, they're on the same page. Like mm -hmm. there were some plays where Hill's making a cut. He started to cut to one side. He sees that flash of Mahomes working away and it's boom on a dime working back across the field to stay parallel to him and to stay in his field of vision. It's going to take time for two and Tyreek to get on that same page. Now I'm not saying it won't happen, but what mm -hmm. if it doesn't happen until like Thanksgiving? You know, we always we, we seem to use the, the those like Halloween, Thanksgiving, and like <laughs> yep. Christmas like timeline indicators on this show. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't, if it happens by Halloween, like that could be okay. If it happens by Thanksgiving, eh, you're in a little bit yeah. of a problem. There. I can already see it now. The headlines. If it doesn't click instantly, that is going to be the talk of the town. Like everywhere everybody's going to be talking about Tua and how he's not stepping up. So I'm just going to wish him the best. Yeah. But do you have? What's your next uh who was your next player? So my my, my second quarterback that's gonna help the most is Derek Carr. Yes, yeah, see, we're okay. on the same page. Here we go. But I mean, we just talked about chemistry, right? Yep. Go back and pull up some old Fresno State film when Derek Carr and, and Devontae Adams were teammates, and you see that chemistry. I mean, you know, and we just talked about you know how long will it take for two and Tyreek to get on the same page. With Derek and Devontae, it's like day one. Like it's going back to school in a sense. And so yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, you know, obviously the Raiders have a lot of needs at the receiver position. They filled it in a huge way. Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver in the game, if not top five, top three. A lot of people will say he's top two, but he's not two. Um, I'm kind of there with those people. It, so you add that, you add in that chemistry. Yes, it's like Devontae Adams. It's one player. It's not the Tyreek, the Tehran, the, the Chase Edmonds and all that stuff. But it's a really, really good reunion, I think. Yeah. And I think even the fact that 
look at the players that they already had, yeah. you know, same thing with the Dolphins too. They had, you know, Jalen Waddle, who's, you know, nice as well. And like, we'd already talked about the running backs, yeah. but when you're looking at the Raiders as well, they too. Have, yeah, I mean, yes, yes. Tight end. They have, uh, the Raiders have Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. So you're adding on another weapon, an elite weapon, an explosive weapon. Yeah. I mean, you start thinking about, that sort of 11 personnel package, right? Where you get the three receivers, the one tight end, Darren Waller. You've got Brian Adams at one receiver, Hunter Renfro in the slot. Now you put Devontae Adams on the outside. Like uh, imagine a, a, a trips formation where you've got Waller at three, Renfro at two, and Adams outside of the one. What are you going to do as a defensive coordinator? Like what are you going to do? Like you're going to drop eight into coverage. You're going to shift five guys over to that side of the field. Now Brian Edwards, and you know, you say what you want about Brian Edwards, he's going to see a ton of one-on-one situations, and like, it's a scenario where everybody gets better because of what you've added and what you can now do schematically. And so, yeah. you know, Derek Carr is a, a very sort of much maligned, polarizing type of player, right? You, mm-hmm. if like I do, you dip your toes into Raiders Twitter, and it could be the middle of April, and they're screaming about Derek Carr being good or bad or whatever. He's yeah. also in a position now where it's like, all right, now you've got Devontae Adams. You've got your boy back. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to put up the kind of numbers we're hoping to see? And if he does, mm-hmm. that still might only be good enough to finish five, third in the AFC West because you've got Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert to deal with. Like that AFC West show. Like, it's, it's scary. Yeah, It is a little freaking scary. I mean, we are going to see a primetime game from that division Every single week, and it's probably making sense, right? It is. Are you going to put on a bunch of NFC East games? I mean, (laughs) no, they can't. They can't. I mean, it's definitely something to be, you know, excited for. And another piece of the puzzle with the Raiders, for example, is their head coach situation. You know, we saw how successful they were last year, despite all of the adversity that they went through have under an interim head coach, like their season was wild. And the fact that they were able to overcome that those obstacles put in front of them and still like be pretty successful, I'm a little nervous, you know, for them this year. I mean, the, the good thing about Josh McDaniels coming in is is twofold. One, I think McDaniels has learned from the mistakes of his past. Like he had a very bad tenure during his time in, in with Denver, like – you know, the, the legendary story, which is he comes in, Jay Cutler's the quarterback, and after the first meeting where, like, McDaniels basically ripped the guy, Cutler walks out of the meeting, calls his agent, it's like, you got to get me out of here. Like, you got to mm-hmm. get me traded. Like, they end up drafting Tim Tebow, who is not a quarterback anymore. Like, there you go. Um, then he takes the Colts' job and steps back and walks away from them. Like, he's had a rocky start. This is, you know – we're on third strike situation with Josh McDaniels. So he had, he knows he has to put this together. But the other yeah. thing to remember is Josh McDaniels, say what you want about him from a head coaching standpoint, very smart offensive mind, number one. Number two, during his time in New England, showed a, a penchant for adapting his offense to what the team has in place, to the players in the building. When it was at the end of Tom Brady's time in New England, when it looked like you know they couldn't throw the ball effectively, they went from being the spread of you out, throw the ball all over the place team to a like, high formation high school offense at times because he's able to adapt his schemes. And he also, when they do spread you out, it's quick passing. It's getting the ball to guys in space, letting them work after the catch, 
That fits Derek Carr. That's where he's most comfortable. That fits Renfro. And that certainly fits Adams. And so you can see where, like, all right, McDaniels has certainly had his struggles. But yeah. this might be an ideal situation for him. And he's learned from the mistakes of the past. That's my, like, elevator pitch to Raiders fans. Like, hey, I know the AFC West is loaded, but it could work out. What are some other teams that you think, you know, have been – I definitely said – you. Ha- I feel like you have to say – Russell Wilson. Yeah. You know, like they're definitely going to be impacted positively. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think three other quarterbacks that got, got some help. Uh Joe Burrow. Um uh, well, interesting. Yeah. Look, coming off a Super Bowl appearance, but what was everybody yeah. saying that they needed to do? They needed to fix the offensive line. Every single mock draft prior to free agency had okay, who's the best offensive lineman available at 31? Doesn't matter if they fit, doesn't matter what. Like that's the pick at 31 for the Bengals. What do they do? Alex Kappa at guard. Ted Karras at center, Leo Collins at offensive tackle. Like they added three guys already. And that offensive line, it was an issue for them, right? Like Joe Burrow got sacked, what, nine times against Tennessee in just one game? Crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. You, you can't do that again. Um, so now you're suddenly looking at, okay, you got Jonah Williams, you got Jackson Carmen, Ted Karras, Alex Kappa, Leo Collins. Like that's a better looking offensive line than what they had in the Super Bowl. They could still certainly add a 31 or later in the draft, but now they don't have to force a pick at 31. So I think Burrow got some help. Zach Wilson got a little bit of help. You know, they had the the tight end CJ Uzama, who I think is a perfect scheme fit. They had Lincoln Mm -hmm. Tomlinson as well. And the plan out the the plan reportedly, because we got the NFL owners meetings going on right now, is he going to kick Elijah Vera Tucker to right guard? Tomlinson going to slide in at left guard. Becton, their left tackle, who they drafted in the first round of the 2020 draft, he might slide to right tackle or not. They're, they're still sort of figuring that out, which I think puts perhaps tackle in play at some point in this draft, but maybe not early because they have picks at four and 10. So so Wilson got some help. And then there's Trevor Lawrence. And I, I know okay. when Jacksonville yeah. spent the money they did and made the moves they did, a lot of people were like, this is dumb. This is stupid. This is, this is okay. insane. I'm kind of in the minority there. I kind of like what they've done. Like, like Christian Kirk, I know for like until Devontae Adams and, and until Tyreek, like there is a window where it was like, wait, is he one of the highest played receivers in the game? And it's like, Christian Kirk, really? Obviously, like then we found out the real deal. And, you know, a good reminder, a little quick aside. Dirt free agency, when the contracts drop and the big names from the four letter network say, oh, so-and-so just signed a five-year, $650 million deal. That's the copy-paste from the agent. Like, is that's who's going to report it to them first? Catch your breath. Wait to see. Because with Christian Kirk and some other deals, it's like initially it's like the sticker shock hits you. You're like, this is a $90 million deal. But then you realize it's like really a two-year deal for $40 million, And then a lot of outs and options and things like that. So that being said, they still spend a lot of money on Christian Kirk. But I think he's a fit for what they need. They need – Vertical explosive playmakers, and he does it out of the slot. They need vertical, a vertical element to their passing game because I think that's what fits Trevor Lawrence best. And I think that's where Doug Peterson was trying to get the Eagles near the end of his time in Philadelphia was a vertical-based passing offense. You look at some of the receivers they added, Quez Watkins, Hightower, like they added vertical speed for Carson Wentz and never quite got there. You know, there's an overlap in skill set between Wentz and Lawrence, and I think that's what they're trying to build. So I kind of like what they did. I mean, Zay Jones maybe a little bit of a reach. People were like, you bring, you know, Cam Robinson back. He's not that good, but I don't know. And then you add Brandon Sheriff, who's a very good guard. Like, 
I think they've made some moves that are going to be helpful. I don't think it's as wildly bad as people were making out to be, but maybe I'm wrong. I mean, that, that that's fine. But sitting here right now, I think they did some good things around it. I'm happy that you brought that up because I hadn't even put that on my list, but that was a good, I like their offseason moves. Yeah. Starting with Doug Peterson, you yeah. know. I mean, and I think when you remember that the goal when you have that young quarterback on that cost control mm -hmm. deal is to be aggressive around them, build around them and get them to where they need to be. So at the end of that cost control deal and you have to pay them that second contract, that long-term extension, you feel comfortable doing so, you know? And, and so you try to do the things that will put them in the best position to be successful. It's very similar to how we kick this off with Tua, right? You have to get Tua to where he is or where he needs to be. If you can't, well, you're not going to pay him that long-term deal. You're going to reset the quarterback clock. I think Jacksonville is in a similar situation because, you know, you don't mm -hmm. want to do – the Rams were able to get away from it because they swung the Stafford trade. But they paid Goff the big extension and realized he's not getting us to where we need to be. And so now mm -hmm. you're seeing teams get even quicker with that decision. Chicago with Trubisky, for example. They're like, why pay him the second deal? Let's just move on. And I think we're going to see something similar play out you know, Cleveland obviously did it. They're not paying Baker a second deal. Watch the Giants in the next couple of days. They're going to make a decision about Daniel Jones's fifth-year option coming up. They might decide, look, you know, we're not going to do it. We'll do what the Bears did. We'll not give them the fifth-year option. If somehow Daniel Jones puts it all together, then, yeah, you'll, you'll franchise tag them, and you'll pay the price then. But teams are going to be patient with those fifth-year options because if you don't know if he's the guy, don't pick up that option and don't give him that second contract. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. But we're going to take a really, really quick break. And when we come back, we are going to touch on the pro days that have happened since we last recorded last week. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. So we touched on the quarterbacks currently in the league and those different offseason moves, but let's continue to unload and I guess run down the list of the probate pro days that have taken place since we last talked. So we know that Kenny Pickett had already taken place when we talked last week when Carmen yep. was our guest. And on Tuesday when we were talking, uh, Malik Willis was having his pro day. So of course we already know that that was, you know, the talk of the town, oh, yeah. but I know you're very, you talk about uh, Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral a lot. So based off of their performances, what did you see from them? What did you hear people saying about their pro days? Um, you know, I, I think let's start with Matt Corral first. A lot of people were there okay. in attendance for that one. 
Um, because it was really the first time he's had a chance to work out. He had the high ankle sprain from the sugar bowl, you know, obviously didn't do anything with the combine, you know, but he looked pretty good. Like he moved well, he threw well. I, I think there's I, I don't want to say absolute genuine excitement about him in the first round or at least early, but I think it's mm-hmm. much more likely sitting here right now that if there's a fourth quarterback in the first round, it would be Hammond and might, you know, be on the later side. You know, a lot of people have said if Detroit doesn't do it at two, maybe they do it at 32. And, you know, you, you could see two different mindsets to that sort of decision, right? Like if okay. you're going to draft a quarterback at 32, why wait? You know, I yeah. roll the dice. If you're comfortable off drafting him at 32, just draft him at two. Like, don't leave the chance. And there's another mindset that's like, look, you know, like we were just talking about the fifth year option. Like if you have the opportunity to draft a quarterback at the end of the first round, you'll still do it. Maybe he's only QB three on your board, but it's like, you know, you have that fifth year option. You can take some time with them. And from Detroit's perspective, you're going to have a pick coming up in the next few selections anyway, you know, so take safety. It's a position they have to address. Maybe they draft Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau or somebody else at two. They draft Matt Corral at 32. They could still draft a safety then 34. That, that would be a pretty good you know, pathway for them. But I think Corral sort of helped himself because he put to rest at least some of the concerns because we hadn't seen him do anything for a while. Desmond Ritter, I, I performed well. You know, everybody's had that ability now to make that pro day throw where you like roll out to your left and throw the backside post and it's a 75 yard throw and everybody loses their mind. But mm-hmm. that brings us back to Willis. Like Willis re- remains the guy right now that has generated the most buzz, started with the senior bowl, and all the way mm-hmm. through the draft process right now, to this point at least. And there's a brilliant website. It's called Mock Draft Database, right? And what this website does, NFLMockDraftDatabase.com, you can it tracks every mock draft. And mock drafts are inexact sciences, but they're informative in the way that you can see players trending up and down. Because, okay. you know, obviously they're, they they track every single mock draft. So there are people like Daniel Jeremiah's who are in there, people like Mel Kuyper's, idiots like mine. But as players start to move, you can see their trends. And you can even compare Ooh. players. And so I wrote a piece last week for uh, Big Blue View talking about whether okay. the Giants should draft Malik Willis at five or at seven. And I compared Kenny Pickett's draft status in these mock drafts to Malik Willis. And you can see right out of the combine, it flips. Like going into the combine and even through the senior bowl, Pickett's the guy coming off the board early, Willis later. But then it just sort of flips. And it was Willis' throw-in session at the combine and everything else that happened, you could see his stock sort of take off. And I think it sort of stayed there as a result. And so, yes, Ritter performed well. Matt Corral performed well. Kenny Pickett performed well. Like even Sam Howell you know, had, had some good throws at his pro day. Willis seems to have cemented himself now as the guy that's probably coming off the board first. And it, it gets us to back to what we've talked about on the show for a while now, which is people are just going to look at the arm. They're going to look at the athleticism. You're going to look at the promise. They're going to look at the upside and say, if we're placing that bet in the first round, it's on him. Yeah. And rightfully so. Yeah. I mean, I think he looks really good. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, in this draft, like if this were last year, like, let's say mm-hmm. different universe, parallel universe, and Malik Willis is in last year's class. He's probably QB4. Like, he's in that sort of range. You're probably looking at Lawrence and Wilson and, in my mind, Fields ahead of him. He'd be in that Lance area for me. 
But in this year's class, it's a different class. And mm -hmm. there's also that sort of seismic moment. I, I think there are two sort of seismic moments in the NFL this past year that have shifted people's thinking. One was what the Rams did, right? Trade away draft picks, forget the picks, who cares? The draft is an inexact science. You're not, you don't know what you're getting. Trade draft picks for established players. Like I, I think you're seeing that this offseason. That's literally what you're seeing. We were talking about on Monday Football Monday, and I think either RJ or Pete had brought it up. Like um Les Sneed. Yeah. Yeah. Literally is like was like the blueprint. Yeah. And now you're seeing this offseason that that's what everybody is doing, especially with the quarterbacks that are younger. Right. It's like, okay, well, we're gonna surround him with, you know, experienced yeah. players. And if he can perform well with them, because they, you know, they know what they're doing, they're elite, they're at that level. Okay, then that shows us a little bit yeah. of something. So it, that's I like, like the, that. It's like what we talked about with the Dolphins. You get to surround them with established yeah. talent. If it worked, great. If it doesn't, well, we're gonna have to draft another quarterback, and maybe I get fired, but I took the swing this way. So I think the Rams exactly. winning the Super Bowl the way they did it was one sort of seismic event. The other was that Bills Chiefs playoff game. You know, okay. When, when okay. people saw Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes like play the way they did, they realized, look. You've got to get freak aliens at the quarterback. Yeah. Like, like when you have the ability to get downfield and score in 13 seconds because of what your quarterback can do at that position, you need guys that can do that. And so I think teams watched that and they realized, all right, look, there are guys in this draft class like Kenny Pickett that are like, they're athletic. They can move around a little bit. But is Pickett going to do what Allen did? Is Pickett going to do what Mahomes did? Mm. Maybe not. Maybe Malik Willis won't, but he's got the yeah. – I think the best chance of getting there. And so teams are going to look at that and say, if we need quarterbacks that can compete with the likes of Mahomes and Herbert and, and these freak aliens throwing footballs the way they do, we're going to take that bet on upside. And so I think you look at those two as two sort of seismic events and you see teams trading for veteran quarterbacks or trading for veteran talent around younger quarterbacks. And you might now see in the draft Malik Willis's rise be a result of we have to get guys at the position that can compete with guys like Mahomes and Allen and, and all these guys have played the position at such a high level. You know what would be funny to me? Just because of the talk and the pretty much the theme around like this entire QB class is if we fast forward five years, three, three years, we could say three years, and some of these underrated QBs like just kind of skyrocket off. Well, that's that's the beauty of the and, and the curse in a way of this whole evaluation yeah. process and draft process is it is an inexact science you you many ways yeah. don't know what you're getting particularly at the quarterback position where so much is dependent on scheme and talent and all that other stuff but as we try to remind people we're also talking about 22 23 24 year old kids and like yeah. i remember what i was like at 22 23 24 and i i certainly wasn't you know i didn't have my head on straight like i didn't have things figured out and for a lot of these guys like you know, you've been the big fish in a, a big pond for a long time. And now suddenly you're mm -hmm. on your own. Like yep. you're doing things like paying car insurance for the first time, like yep. buying a house, buying a condo, like you're dealing with yeah. other like real life stuff. And for rookies, like you're doing all this pre-draft stuff and pre-draft prep and you take your top 30 meetings and you're learning like 15 different playbooks. So you can whiteboard stuff with, you know, the Eagles on one day and with the Steelers on another day, you get a wind and dine by Mike Tomlin, who's, <laughs> right. Mike Tomlin is is riding the rookie dinner circuit. He's taking all these guys out to dinner. Right? He is, he is. Good for him. That's crazy. Um, yeah. But then suddenly you're you're thrust into a new city. You've wound down this the world's longest and strangest and you know most curious and complex job interview process in all recorded history. 
And now you have to learn an offense and run an offense. And you have to step into a huddle with guys that are like 10 and 15 years older than you and tell them what to do. And come in. Like, Take command. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a lot. And so the draft's an exact science. And like, so you're exactly right. Like we could look at this five years from now and while we're all talking about Malik Willis, suddenly Kenny Pickett's the guy or Desmond Ritter's the guy or Matt Corral's the guy or Carson Strong. Like yep. if you would have told me this time last year that, hey, um, there's going to be a, a large portion of the season where Davis Mills looks like the best of the rookie quarterbacks, not – Trevor Lawrence, not Zach Wilson, not Justin Fields. I would have said that there's absolutely no way, but these things happen. And so that also might get us back to that trading for established talent. Like, you know, mm-hmm. don't know what you're getting. And so if you're a team, like if we're here this time next year and Tua doesn't take that step, I think it's far more likely that with the extra picks they picked up along the way, the Dolphins make a swing for an established veteran quarterback rather than resetting the, the quarterback clock again and, and so you know th- those two seismic events i think though that the rams win and that bills chiefs game are going to shape a lot of the decisions that are made not just this offseason but maybe the next one or two yeah and i was like at least you can see what majority of these qb prospects that we know that they're not coming in and they're going to be starting immediately in most of these with most of these teams so they'll get that year to observe and learn the good and the bad from some of the veteran quarterbacks and that will definitely have an impact on you look at Mahomes and Mahomes has said this before like the the most beneficial thing for him wasn't just the fact that he sat out that first year he started the, the season finale Alex Smith was mentorship like Smith would pick him up in the morning bring him to the facility they'd watch film together he basically taught him like what it's like to be an NFL quarterback because you know, a lot of other positions like offensive line, like they're more like I've said this before, like snap to whistle. It's like what you do. But for quarterback, it starts Monday morning when you walk into the facility, whether it's at 545 a.m. or 345 a.m., like how you get yourself ready during the week then pays off. And it does obviously for the other positions, but for quarterback, doubly so. And so Smith's mentorship and guiding Mahomes through that rookie season then paid off in a huge way that second year. And so hypothetically if pittsburgh drafts malik willis you right. see willis helicopter airplane and away from his pro day throw and mike tomlin <laughs> looking on like a proud papa right. him, does Mitchell trubisky do that for malik willis does dwayne haskins do that does mason rudolph do that or do they look at it like we're fighting to keep our job like not every veteran quarterback is like yeah i'm gonna teach this guy i would take right. the fresh carson wentz did, I don't know if you did that with Jalen Hurts, yeah, you know? I mean, other guys do it a different way. So I, I think that's also something these teams are going to have to sort of keep in mind. Like, Seattle drafts Malik Willis. Is Geno Smith going to be happy to be that mentor? Or maybe he will. Will Drew Locke? Probably not. Like, he's trying to think he could win that job. If Atlanta drafts a, a quarterback, does Marcus Mariota do that? Like, and so there's that aspect to it, too. So, you know, it, it's a great point about that year because there's so much teaching that can go on in there, whether it's a year or half a season, that can really pay off for these guys down the road. Exactly. We're just going to have to wait and see. Well, we don't do patience well in sports media, ratio. We, really we don't. We know. But that's all we can do, yeah. literally. But the draft is getting closer and closer, closer. So I'm like, whoa, time is ticking. Yeah. You know, time is really going. Yeah. I mean, we're just about a month out now. Yeah, we are inside a month because the draft is the 28th. Yeah. Yeah. Buckle up, everybody. It's going to be a fun month. Then we get to sleep for May and June. 
We do. We do. We Vacation to, time. Hopefully, we'll be warm by then. As I still yeah. try to warm up yeah. my hands. <laughs> my toes are still frozen. And that is like sad. That's I, so I think sad. that's more a me problem than anything else. You need some fuzzy socks. I do. I have them. It's just, I put them away. No, it's too soon. I put them like, the I socks all and the fuzzy socks. They all got like packed away. It was like, I was bringing the shorts oh. out. Like, no, no, no. I have, I don't do it until like mid April. Yeah. See, I get cold very Rookie quickly. mistake by me. Yeah. You got to learn, you know. <laughs> but that's going to be all for this week's episode of the QB factory reboot don't forget to rate don't forget to leave a review don't forget to subscribe to our youtube channel don't forget to follow us on social media do you have any last words mark as always go eagles <laughs>